Hey guys, welcome to this week's Money and Investing Show. This week we are tackling the subject of saving. Saving for your emergency fund, we'll explore what that is and the difference between that and saving to invest. Plenty of things to take out of this, particularly given the peace of mind that following these simple steps can give you. So make sure you take plenty of notes and as always, make sure you take plenty of action. Hey guys, welcome to this week's Money and Investing Show with me, your host, Andrew Baxter, and as always, my offsider and co-host, Mitchell Laurential. Thank you for having me on the show, Mr. Baxter. Now, anyone who knows me knows that I hate anything unexpected. Today, we're going to talk about positioning ourselves against that financially is one of our foundation episodes being the emergency fund. It's a hugely important part of financial security. And and look, what is active? We'll talk about what an emergency fund is, how to get it, and how maybe treating that money is different to other forms of cash that you may or may not have right now. Critically important, as you say, to um, provision for the unexpected. And unfortunately, life has a uh, has a habit of coming away with, uh, with unexpected uh, things that come along, knock us off course. And we need to have the resources to ride that out and uh, avoid the stress that comes with it. It does. And the fact of the matter is, most people forget to have an emergency fund, albeit it's one of the most critical parts of anyone's savings accounts and their financial plan. Before we do jump in though, AB, to what that looks like and what kind of formula we could use, I just want to talk a little bit about cash as an asset versus cash as a tool, because I know there's a, a big difference and you feel quite passionately about this. Too true. And I, and I think, you know, as an investor, you know, you always look at cash as an investment asset that needs to be earning a return. It needs to have a commercial level of return, which is quite hard during times of inflation, of course. When we talk about an emergency fund, we're defining cash instead of an, an asset to invest is actually a tool to use. So ordinarily, we always say, you know, make sure you're getting a great return on your cash and get the cash working by investing in assets that offer you, you know, a decent rate of return for the level of risk that you're supposed to be comfortable with. Um, when it comes to your emergency fund, it's not about creating a return on that. It is just simply a pool of asset, a tool that you have there should you need to have an injection of funds at the very short uh, notice time timeframe. So could I ask you a question, Amy? Forgetting an emergency fund for the minute, but just simply holding cash mm. at the bank. You mentioned it's tough during times of inflation. Mm. Why is that exactly? Okay, and we, we've seen this a lot on social. You get people saying, oh, look, I'm earning 4.5%, on cash. Why would I want to do anything else with it? But when you take it into account, on a real basis, and, and what I mean by a real basis is what's that worth to you after tax, because you pay tax on interest, but more importantly, what's it worth to you when you remove inflation? So taking the two numbers, let's say your interest rate that you're earning is at 5% and you're at a 20% tax rate. Net after tax, that means you're not earning 5%, you're earning 4% on your money. And then with inflation being 7% in this example, you're not actually making 4% on your money on a real basis, taking inflation into account, you're actually losing 3% a year on that money. And in other words, when you look at your bank statement, you go, what are you talking about? I've still got, you know, after tax, hundred and you know, for every hundred bucks, I've got $104 uh, in my account at the end of the year. So what are you talking about? It's not about the physical value of the money, it's what that money can then buy you. And if the cost of living is moving up, in, in this example, it's 7% a year, you'd need at least $107 in your bank account just to be keeping up with the cost of living rise. So if you've only got $104 there, you're effectively $3 behind. So it's about what it looks like on a real basis. And that's why you know holding cash, particularly during times of inflation, may seem like it's a safe haven asset, but in reality, you're almost certainly guaranteed to be going backward with, with no real upside. So it may seem like a safe haven asset, but in actual fact, you're losing money on a real basis guaranteed. Sounds like a bit of a head spin at the very start, but the way you explain it makes total sense. 
if we then parlay that into the emergency fund AB, mm. which is a different kettle of fish again, not necessarily as an asset that should be invested, rather a tool. So let's talk about what an emergency fund is and what they're actually designed for. So as its name would suggest, it's, it, it's for emergencies. There's no uh, you know, gold star for guessing that. And effectively, it's an amount of money that you have set aside to help smooth out the rough and the uh, tumble that can come along in life. And if you kind of think about this in the sequence of getting your financial affairs sort of squared away, this is the next rung on the ladder after you've retired or got rid of any bad debt that you may have. So you know, if you've got a buy now, pay later habit or credit card debt or personal loans that are lurking around, get them paid off first of all. And the reason why is that the chances are they're gonna be relatively high levels of interest that you're paying to service them or, or have those loans in place. So get those bad debts paid off first. Once you've got your bad debt paid off, the next step is to start sort of fattening the goose as it were and, and, and keeping some cash in reserve. And, and the goal that you uh, perhaps want to look at, and they're two fairly basic goals, but very, very important. In the first instance, if you've been able to pay off your bad debt, you've already developed a saving habit, which is fantastic. And that's extremely important. You've got your budgeting under control or largely under control, and you're starting to get some free cash set aside each week or each month. So your goal now is to have one month of your expenses in cash as savings as an emergency fund. So if something happened, you can cover yourself for a whole month uh, with your savings without having to be stressed. Now, it's a fairly modest goal for a lot of people that, and, and some people are blessed and they're in a position where they've got you know, multiple uh, months of, of cover, so to speak. But if you're somebody that's been living week to week, which is an incredibly challenging financial set of circumstances where just as you feel that you're getting your head above water and breathing in some air, you're back underwater again, it becomes quite challenging. It, it's actually quite a big goal to set. So a whole month of additional expenses covered in that emergency fund. So for some reason, if your income stopped, for whatever reason it may be, you've got a month where you can breathe air before things start to get tight again. And, and, and that is a huge thing for people that are in a very challenging financial situation. And it may seem like a massive mountain to scale depending on where your personal finances are right now, but it's an achievable goal. Get that bad debt paid off, and then you're moving into starting to acquire that comfort zone of, of a month of, of additional uh, funding and and you know if you we talk about things like a side hustle for example so if you're unable to save on your current income start exploring a side hustle or a second job unpalatable as that may be to you to get that bad debt paid off and to get your finances back on course because that time put in now to removing uh, that immediate financial pain brings enormous levels of peace of mind it'll be worth the effort I can assure you. So just to differentiate here, AB, you mentioned mm -hmm. having a separate savings account that's say one or three months long of expenses. Yeah. That differs, of course, from your typical savings account yep. where that cash is being used to then invest in the future, right? Absolutely. And, and 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 we start off with one month as a goal. As I say, for some people, you go, well, I've already got that. For others, as I say, it's a big goal. Once you've achieved that one month of, of expense coverage, I think stretching yourself, when we talk about stretch goals, to get three months of cover in your emergency fund, I think is is crucial because if you've had a setback that's, that's really knocked you over, chances are it's going to take more than a month to to kind of right the ship. So by building three months of expenses in that emergency fund, I think is is a, it's not a base level goal, but it's the, the, the second tier of a base level goal, if you will, to, to help remove financial stress. 
again, it means you've got your budget largely under control. You've got your bad debt played, uh, paid down, which is again, a, an incredibly important thing to do. And you're not now week to week, you've got that surplus cash uh, at the end of the week to enable you to save, to build up that war chest of three months of expenses. And also puts a lot of acid on you to, to reduce your expenses so that that figure is not quite so so high in order to get there as well. And, and, and as I say, you know, there'll be people of all financial circumstances that are consuming this information. And for many people, three months is that all, that's great. You're already in a position where you're able to move things forward, which is terrific. But there are an awful lot of people out there that are hurting right now and would dream of having three months of, of, of spare cash to cover their expenses. So one month and three months are your two goals. And the way to look at that, you can't put that necessarily on like a term deposit whereby you can earn higher levels of interest. And the purpose behind that money isn't necessarily to earn interest either. It's just to be there if you need that cash in the event of an emergency. It's not investment funds. It's coming up for air to avoid drowning fund. Let me challenge you here a little bit, AB. We talk about an emergency fund for loss of, uh, loss of say you lose your job, for example, you've got three months of expenses as an example. What about if you have an unexpected expense? You may notice I did the in quotation marks because <laughs> the blurred lines here is what is an unexpected expense, right? What are you differentiating as necessary, emergency or discretionary when it comes to actually using that cash? Okay, here's the thing, and, and to have gotten to this point in the journey um, where you know, you've got your bad debt paid off, etc., you've done your budgeting work, uh, you're starting to exhibit signs of discipline, which is really, really important when it comes to managing money. And as a consequence of that, you've got to have a very disciplined definition of what the criteria is for you to access that emergency fund. So, you know, you haven't seen your cousin for four years and they're in their country and they say, let's have a big night out on the town. That's not an emergency fund for funding your nightlife. Definitely not. And I'll just use that as an example, maybe it's not the best example. But nonetheless, it's there for when you really seriously need it, not for discretionary or frivolous spending. So let's say, you know, the gearbox busts in the car and you need your car to get to work or take the kids to school or whatever it may be. That might be an example where you do dip into that and then obviously you, you then need to put in play once the bill is paid, the action plan to redivert funds to replenish that emergency fund so it gets back to three months as quickly as possible. So yeah, losing a job is an example of that. Maybe you've had an accident, you're unable to work or your pay's been scaled back because you've had an industrial accident or whatever it may be in that sort of space. Um, they're really, really good examples of you know dipping into that emergency. Uh, that's what it's there for. Um, getting your car fixed, that's what it's there for. But a new TV, um, that's that's definitely not the case. And, and I don't say that again, that sounds a little bit condescending if you're living week to week and oh, I was going to raise the pity, piggy bank to buy a new TV. That's, that's not the message here. It's the fact that you've got to be very, very structured and understand the importance of what that money's been put aside for. Uh, and under no circumstances that's a non-emergency do you get tempted into the old bad habits of spending things you shouldn't be spending. So can I once again challenge you, AB, and this is a really good discussion. We're in a situation where the cost of living is, is rapidly increasing. Likely people are paying a lot more on their mortgage repayments and yeah. the cost of groceries, fuel, all that kind of thing is more expensive. So by default, people's three-month expenses would have rapidly increased today from where it was a year ago. Yeah. Not to mention the fact that you've also got an element if you are earning more of lifestyle inflation mm -hmm. where you start to spend more, have yeah. more expenses, given on how much you earn. How are you adjusting your emergency fund and how often would you be needing to review that in order to make sure that you've got the minimum requirements met? 
That, that is an absolutely brilliant question. I love that. You've been thinking about that one. I have. Um, one of the things that we espouse is, is having a money date each month. And, you know, you look at where the household finances might be if you're with your partner to say, okay, you know, things have definitely got more expensive. And I'll give you a first-hand story of this in a few moments. Um, and as such, we need to put more away to, to be able to cover the household bills. Well, at the same time, you're going to need to provision a little bit more on the saving as well. And part of the issue, I guess, that we've seen in Australia with the Reserve Bank increasing interest rates, for example, the idea of that is to slow down consumer spending to reduce inflation. So if costs are moving higher, there are things within the budgeting part of what we've talked about, which are necessities, there are also the fixed costs in there, maybe targeting and reducing some of the discretionary stuff down so that you've got the ability to have a little bit more household income to spend on the things that you need, the necessities, and also still carving enough off there to make sure that the money that you've got in reserve is enough to cover those expenses too. It needs to come out of those discretionary spend decisions. And also if you've got a situation where you've got a debt refinancing, bad debt refinancing, I'm talking about here, personal loans and things like that, getting those eliminated before you move into this phase is key because you can't expect to save when you're paying you know, 14, 15% interest on a personal loan. And it look to get the order right. Absolutely. And this is Personal Finance 101. It may seem quite boring having an emergency fund, three months of expenses mm-hmm. saved away, doing nothing, sitting in your bank account, albeit it's probably one of the most critically important stages yeah. of money fundamentals, right? It, it is. And as you say, I mean, that, that level of what you hold needs to vary. And, and, and household expenses do shift quite rapidly. I mean, if I, if I look at my own household, you know, we've got five children uh, and now we've got a couple of horses as well. Which I'd is hate a, to see your three months of expenses <laughs> saved away. A, I really would. It's a, it's a decent number. Uh, but the reality is that, you know, and I was just telling my wife last week and she's like, you know, we've, we've got the farrier that comes around now, which up until, you know, prior to having horses wasn't an expense that we had. And we've got a vet that comes around and there's there's different stuff from a feed perspective and supplements and all the, all the different things that go alongside, you know, horses, and which is all new for me. And, okay, I'm in a financial position, it doesn't really matter, but in terms of a point of principle, we're saying, look, whatever we put in the household account, because all the stuff I'm talking about on this podcast, even though, you know, financially I'm in a great position uh, and a household is in a very safe, strong, multifaceted income position where we've got plenty of spare cash, I still apply these processes like I did when I was 20. And that's enabled me to get to the position that I'm in financially right now. So when um, I was saying, like, you know, the household account, and I've just had my dad staying with me, so we've had an extra person in the house. Now we've got a couple of horses as well. It's like we need to look at what the thing, we have our money date, Thursday night, have a chat about it, and then adjust the amounts that are going into the various accounts to provision for that. So this is stuff I still do. It's not theory, and it's not something you ever grow out of and go on past that point because success in life is about world-class basics. And if you can get the budgeting side and the household account running properly and then the investment account running properly and then your investments running properly and then your asset allocation running properly and then your structuring running properly and then your tax planning, but it all starts by keeping your eye on the basics there. So yeah, we've just adjusted literally our household accounts and provisioning like this and I've certainly got more than three months of household expense covered, but the household expenses have jumped up quite measurably. So this is a dynamic living thing. So those money dates every week or every month, depending on how often you have these conversations, or every quarter, are crucially important to move the needle to make sure that what you've set that out to do still works. So as we sort of come to the end of our broadcast today, we can ask you for an example. Let's pick, you know, your, say, 20s or 30s, so mm. pre-kids, where you were 
hustling as such to try and create wealth and, and build yourself up. Mm. Is there a time where something as an emergency occurred where you had to draw on those funds? Um, I guess if I put me on the spot again here, I think you know when I first finished uni and started in the workforce, that was probably the time when my funding was most most stretched. I've been very fortunate. I've earned you know, great money throughout my career. Um, but when my career first started, things were stretched there. And yeah, one example, the first place I bought in London uh, was uh, was this Victorian terrace. Uh, it was built in like 1840-something. And, uh, and I bought it, and it was not in the best part of town. It's what I could afford. And I'd started doing a cosmetic renovation because, you know, I was a bachelor at the time and I needed it to look okay. And, you know, so there's carpet and, 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 and paint job inside and sure. some new furniture and yeah. all that to make it a little more appealing. And my gas boiler blew up. And uh, that doesn't sound like it's any big deal, but if you live in the UK, um, you know, a lot of stuff these days is obviously driven off gas. So that's no hot water and no heating. And I remember it was just after Christmas, so it was really cold. And... Um, and it was, uh, and British Gas had the monopoly at the time on on doing servicing. You could only get them to to do this kind of thing, and there was a wait list, but you could pay a premium to get further along the wait list. So of course, it was like yeah. the, the, the the jump the front of line pass at a theme park almost, and um, and I had to bite the bullet. I almost cried. I think <laughs> it was like <laughs> extra couple of hundred quid to to move along, and and I didn't have the money, um, yeah, because I just bought a place. I was refitting it and refurbishing it and all that sort of stuff. And these are very real problems that are around today for anybody that's um, living life. There's always something unexpected, and that did set me back. And then it was a, the you know the gas plumber comes around. Oh gee, yeah, we've got to do this and you got to do that. And of course, I don't know anything about gas plumbing. Bullets so by it's this like, stage, I assume. So I can't remember. It's a couple. It was like fifteen hundred quid or something like that for the whole thing to get replaced but it was 1500 pounds that i didn't particularly budget for and decent leak back then too it was and 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 was wholly unexpected and and it needed to be paid and you know there are a number of ways that you could do it you can add it onto your gas bill and pay the interest on it and like my father schooled me well you know he doesn't like debt and neither do i as a consequence of that or you could just pay it out so i had to dip into my emergency funding paid it out and and obviously then you know replenished it over a period of time so you know these are things i've experienced and it's and it's life another time on my car you know the gearbox went on my car and uh, again i think i just literally finished uni and I, i didn't have a particularly good paying job at that time either but you know, as a young man, you know, I needed the car to get out and around to have a social life, as and to be a bachelor, of course, to be a bachelor, and and so you know that needed to get fixed. And you know, they're just things that come along in life. And if you've taken the time to to build the steps in play, um, they can even though they disrupt the game plan that you might be on and the trajectory you want to go, it takes a lot of the stress out of it. Like, oh my good goodness, how am I going to fix this? What am I going to do? And if you've taken the time to squirrel that money away, then you can smooth it out. More importantly, though, if you've if you've built the habit of being someone that constantly saves and is able to squirrel that way that money each week to to build up that three month pot, when you get a setback like that, it's not as stressful for you because you know you can do it again because you've already been doing it. Whereas if you're someone that's never saved or or never really done that, again, it just seems like this insurmountable mountain that you've got to climb to try and get yourself out of yet another curveball that life has thrown at you. And it doesn't matter what level you are in life and where you're playing, life will continue to throw you curveballs and they just get bigger and bigger in terms of what they are. But if you've built the muscle memory and the habit and the skill set to be able to tackle them through having your war chest, your one month or three month saving, uh, you're in good order. And then the surplus as you continue to save after that starts to go into your investment account. That is an asset that is where you're looking to generate return on the money. 
but the one in three months, that's just to get you out of trouble should it pop up. Very, very important basic step, but nonetheless, really, really important. And I'd, I'd actually forgotten about that story about my time in London. It takes me back and I can, I can see that place right now, uh, that house, and I was so proud of it. And uh, it was the first time I bought a property and it was this huge thing. And then when that went wrong and I was all in with my mortgage and, and furniture and whatnot, yeah, it was, it was, a, it was a tricky time for a, for a couple of months. And you come out the other side of it and look back now and we're telling thousands of people about it on this podcast. Maybe a great way to finish, great lessons in this one. Basic, albeit very important. So thank you very much. Absolute pleasure. Anytime, Mitch. There you have it, guys. Make sure you like, comment, subscribe, and we'll look forward to hosting you next week.